welcome back to Cozy Chat. It's been a, it's been a minute. Um, for those of you who are new and returning, my name is Corey. I go by he, him, his pronouns, and I'm joined by Sasha, and I go by she, her, hers, and Aya pronouns. And oh my goodness, it's it's been a while since we've like really talked. So Sasha, how, how have you been? I've been all right. Like now that it's te- like as of this recording, now it's ten days into the Biden Harris <laughs> administration. <laughs> Things seem more on the up and up. I'm like, like, it's like we had a white supremacist movement, and yeah. now we can go back to our regular, regular white supremacy and racism, which, yeah. which isn't as violent. Yeah, we ha- we go back. I feel like we're still gonna have violent spouts because. Like that insurrection, I don't think those people who, the people who didn't get caught, those people are still sitting at home ready to go back to the they capital. Are. Like, they are. People were posting about trying to like, you know, crash the inauguration and stuff like that. Obviously they didn't. Yeah. I'm assuming the FBI, uh, Secret Service and everyone, whoever was planning on it, they, they evidently caught them and we'll probably never hear from them again. No. Um, but as far as everyone who was smart enough to not do that, they're just like sitting back and kind of biding their time, uh, especially with, you know, the Trump hearings going on for his impeachment, the, his second yeah. impeachment hearing. Yeah. So. The, um, what I was seeing on the news, um, like I think it was yesterday, there was a person who planted like pipe bombs at the RNC and the DNC and they were trying to figure out who it was. Mm-hmm. I was I was just like they used the cover of night to do yeah. this crazy thing. But how has your oh getting back to how I've been <laughs> school is about to start so I'm enjoying my last weekend of freedom. Okay. Oh my goodness. Luckily for me, I'm not going for a master's or second bachelor's, so I don't have to worry about classes for the for the time being. I'm pretty sure I'll decide to like go for a master's in like history or something like that sometime in the future. Yeah. But for now, you know, I'm doing okay. I'm doing pretty pretty well. Just working, coming home, working. Um so it's been a pretty regular regular week for me i did have a photo shoot last weekend which went pretty well Um, that's good i think i will probably start posting those within the next week or so but yeah it's been a pretty good pretty solid week i have a few projects that i have to finish up this weekend um to prep for monday as of the recording of this podcast but yeah it's been good yeah I love working at home. <laughs> like Yeah. <laughs> like I love working at home, but I'm also because I'm at home, I'm so lazy. Like it's so easy to just get comfortable and then take a nap while you're supposed to be working. I'm like I've the way like the way my job is set up, I can't take a nap cuz I have to take phone calls. So like I spend most of my day between emails and calls but um what like the first month or so the pandemic we didn't have to take calls so i was really lazy yeah 
but then my boss decided she was going to start assigning stuff to us so oh. she can check up on what we're doing since it was assigned to us. Yeah, so now it's like, you got work, work to do now. You're like, all right, okay. Yeah, it's like, all right, okay, I got to do this. Did you watch the inauguration or check it, catch any of it? I didn't catch the inauguration in real time because I was on, like, working pretty much the whole time my dad was upstairs watching it i did catch the poem later on Mm -hmm. i liked it um the like my mom and i were saying that uh shit i can't remember the poet's name uh it's amanda let me check that for you real quick because i did have it pulled up or i did have it pulled up it's like a man i think her last name is like something with an m amanda gorman oh damn i was wrong <laughs> yeah so i mean yeah. there's an m in there <laughs> <laughs> at the near the end <laughs> yeah but her name was amanda gorman and yeah. i loved her poem it was and really yo good. her fit up there she looked like in her yellow and red she was definitely yeah. looking very regal she was like oh yes she definitely was she was up there and she just took command of the mic and the audience. Yeah. So I loved it. I loved her energy. And then my mom was saying that she's probably the next Maya Angelou. <laughs> okay. I, mean, I was like, okay. I don't know about all that, but yeah, she a was lot of, good. A lot of people were saying that. I'm not saying that she's a next Maya Angelou, but saying that following in the vein of Maya Angelou, since Maya Angelou did, you know, I think for the Obama inauguration. She was the poet. Um, I might be wrong because I honestly don't be paying attention to presidential inaugurations. Yeah. So, but I think Maya Angelou was uh, one of the speakers and the poet for, um, for the Obama inauguration. So to have her kind of follow in, in her Maya's footsteps. footsteps and kind of come onto this, one of the biggest stage. stages in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And share her poem. It was it was amazing. Yeah, it was. Um, I can't say I remember what she said, but it was impactful. It was very. Uh, I think she was saying something about being descended. She came from a single mother, and she was on the stage speaking to the world, and it was very inspiring to see. Yeah, what I mostly was hearing when I was listening to her poem, it's very much like our uphill battle, right? And the fact that it was an uphill battle, it was an uphill battle to get here. And that, you know, we are still going to be fighting this uphill battle. You know, like our work isn't finished, but let's not forget to look at how far we've come. Yes. How much we overcome, how much we have overcome. Yeah. Even within like the last month of having, you know, the whole attempted coup. Yeah, having the whole attempted coup on the US Capitol, you know, just like two weeks ago. And mm-hmm. now we're here again, you know, and we've I've just appointed the first woman to be the into the second highest office of these United States of America. Yeah. A black woman at that. Uh Indian, Asian woman at that, you know, yeah. a West Indian woman. So there's just like a lot of firsts 
with that. And again, I know people are still going to have their feelings about Kamala Harris in general, yeah. her policies as the Attorney General, Attorney General. Of, of California, stuff like that. All people who have valid. their criticisms, they're yeah. all valid criticisms, and I get that. But at the same time, you know, kind of, I mean, Biden kind of mentioned this in his speech, and again, it was the same thing with like Obama and it's, you know, the same thing now, you know, only like a generation or two ago, people were marching on the Capitol for their rights. Right. And again, th to be honest, things haven't in that regard, people, things haven't changed all that much. Right. Yeah. But at the same time to be able to see a black man take the highest office to see a black woman take the second highest office it does let you know that there is progress, even if it's minimal. Yeah. You know, and however you feel about it, because I know there's a lot of like image activism and like positivity, like politics when it comes to like our image and stuff like that, that falls into this level of politics. Mm -hmm. Again, that doesn't really affect us affects us in smaller ways here, like in our daily lives. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, there are, you know, black boys and girls and black children who have grown up and Obama was their first president. There are gonna be black children who grew up and Kamala's gonna be their, their first, first vice. vice president. So keeping in mind that does shift how they view their possibilities. Yeah. Moving into the future. It's like you know, yeah, this shit is still, like, we're still going through the shits, and we still have work to do, right? And we still have to make sure other people are putting in their work to help yeah. dismantle the system. I get that. But at the same time, I can appreciate the fact that, you know, my daughter, whenever I have a daughter, you know, my son, whenever I have a son, you know, my nieces, my nephew that's on the way, like, they're definitely, they're going to have these goalposts that have been set. Like, if you want to reach it, you can, you can, you know, and don't let, and it doesn't even matter if anyone tells you otherwise, you'd be like, no, they did it right there. If they did, they could do it. I can do it. Yep. Right. Exactly. And again, kind of getting into like the system, like we, we do know just because, you know, some black people make it doesn't mean like everyone's going to make it. it because the system is still set up for a lot of people to fail and only yep. certain people make it through but yeah. the more we keep pushing the more we keep breaking those doors open the more so, people are going to get in yeah and i one thing just i do hope that what's going to be different for this administration compared to the obama administration particularly when it comes to black people and there's a lot of black people who want to say that obama did nothing for black people which is a complete lie, right? Now, he, I can't say he did anything for Black people specifically. Like, if he didn't have any bill that was specifically worded and geared towards, you know, Black people. But we, well, a lot of his po policies and everything which are geared towards the lower class and a lot of people, Black people, are part of the lower, lower class. So when it yeah. comes to healthcare, there are a lot of, you know, that affects, that directly affects Black people, you know. Um, so there was, there was a lot, when it comes to like LGBTQ rights and stuff like that, guess what? 
there are black people who are LGBTQ and yeah. that directly affected them. Yeah. You know, so I, so that aside, I do hope that when it comes to more direct issues that affect us, yeah. that we believe that need to be addressed, particularly when it comes to police brutality and particularly when it comes to wage inequality, you know, healthcare and the healthcare system and how we are treated, not yeah. just not just access to healthcare, but even how we are treated when we, you know, make it into you know the hospitals and try to get yeah. treated and stuff like that. I Hopefully, know. people push for more policy changes yeah. that are much more heavy on it. Because with Obama, we kind of just let him rock because he was the first black, black president. president. So we let him rock, and it was okay for us that he was just the first black president. It was okay for a lot of black people. Yeah, they but thought that was the be-all and end-all. They thought that, you know, just electing Obama was enough and that he was just going to do it. And the fact that he didn't just do it left a lot of people kind of salty. Disappointed. And disappointed, which which is valid. So hopefully we have a lot more people pushing for a lot of these changes that we want to see, mm-hmm. you know, and keeping on top of Biden and Harris, like, hey, you guys made these promises, you know, and you guys are particularly talking to black people. Don't forget that you guys have control of the Senate now, you know, because of Georgia. And guess what? A lot of pe- black people came out in droves to make sure that they were voting and to make sure they flipped the Senate and stuff like that. So yeah. again, again, we get it that you are the president and vice president for the entire United States. So you have to kind of like tailor things to the entire try to state. fit everybody. Yeah. But you know, you made certain promises, and we're gonna hold you to those promises. You yeah. promise change, and we're not just gonna let you rock because you know you look like us. Not this time. You're no. gonna be a lot more assertive and a lot more kind of demanding of the actual things that we want, the actual concessions that we want. So that's what I'm hoping. When it comes to that, like, since my dad watches a lot of CNN and NBC, like, I've been thinking a lot about how even I, who, like, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm still not actively doing it. We have to focus on our local elections, like our local leaders, because even the president and the vice president can't do it all. A lot of our decisions that really affect our day-to-day lives are made at the local state level and people are forgetting they think that the presidential and presidential election is it like once we get a president we like in there that's all we need but no we need the senators who will fight for us we need a governor who cares we need state senators assemblywomen assemblyman congressmen like there's so many people who make that up People forget that your state has a Senate. Your state has a whole legislature. Yeah. So, you know, you're so like those people matter, particularly when it comes to dealing with the law enforcement agencies in your state and at the local level. Definitely when it comes to the Board of Education at your local level, like you get to vote for the people who are on your Board of Education. You know, you get to vote for like, your superintendents or the people who are going to appoint your superintendents, right? Yeah. So a lot, a lot of these things are what they affect us most directly. Yeah. So 
the same way, way we come out and we try to vote in droves to make sure we get the president that we need and the vice president that we need and the senators that we need so that we can get shit done on a federal level. We, we need, need to put in that thing. same energy every, every single year for when it comes to our level. local elections. Because yeah. again, and this is something that a lot of like, you know, Republicans, a lot of like white folks and stuff like that are really picking up on, particularly as they like, if they feel like they're not getting as much power on the federal level as they want, they make sure that they control everything on their local and state level. Cause you know, once they, once they have all that power and control and they can, what, what does it matter who becomes president? Because yeah, the president can matter. only go so far, like states have rights and stuff like that. So the president yeah. can only go so far. A lot of those changes have to be made at the state, at level. the state level, at the local levels. Yeah. You know, so your community leaders as well. And yeah. I get and I get it, you know, we all have busy lives and it can get very tedious. Like politics is tedious. Yes, it right? is. You know, it's it's a, there's a reason why we are a republic and not a democracy. Um which people don't really understand and there's a difference. We vote for representatives to make political decisions for us and on our behalf because especially being so large of a country and nation, there's a lot of shit going on. And it's too much for the, you know, the average citizen who has worked and kids and family and all these things to focus on like all every, these, single every single one. So yeah, it's a thing where like, we think, so it's very easy to get into the mindset that, hey, we came and we voted for our senators and Congress people and you know, our president, and that's what we that's voted it. for to get shit done but it's also we had to keep on it we had to do the same thing at the local level yeah. which means we have to be more active in politics on a local level which yeah. again is tedious when you have like a nine to five where you're working like 40 hours or 80 hours a week and you barely have time to just breathe and have time for yourself yeah. or your own self-care your own mental health like you have all that and now I have to like pay attention pay to add more hours to my workload trying to pay attention to the politics of what's going on yeah. in my city and make so that I can make a conscious decision when I'm voting yep. for or to even make the decision to go vote at a local level. What I don't like particularly about my like specific like congressional district, Senate district, whatever the neighborhood I live in is very middle, black middle class, a lot of them. They stay stuck in their ways. Like they vote for the exact same people every time. So we still have the same, the same congressional rep, the same state senators, the same assemblywoman, the people who are not really doing much for us because they've been doing nothing for us for years. But they can get, they have like guaranteed votes. So and they have, they have name no, recognition. So like, they have no reason to like push harder it, or take risks because they know like, well, I mean, I'm guaranteed my seat, whatever. Yeah. So yeah, my congressional representative, my direct congressional representative, his name is Gregory Meeks. He's rumored to be one of the most corrupt representatives. He's still here. He had a, a, 
um, a challenger. He was like around our age, young, uh, veteran, actually lives in NYCHA settlement, um, which is like a New York City housing. Yeah. Yeah, New York City housing. Um, yeah, so, so he lives in NYCHA. He's from Jamaica. He's a veteran. He's, I think, West Indian maybe. Um, and I thought like, and he's similar to AOC. He would be like a male AOC. And I, he like sent like a flyer in the mail to me. I read his policies. I was just like, this is dope. So I, of course I voted for him instead of my regular Gregory Meeks. Of course he didn't really, he didn't make it past primary. Yeah. So Gregory Meeks ran unopposed for the, the, Oh, there for the um actual election because there was no like I don't think the Republicans even care about my area because they know they're not gonna get yeah. <laughs> voted for. So he ran unopposed like most of the local level in my neighborhood ran unopposed. Mm-hmm. Because by the time you because even trying to get past the primaries is like if your only competition is gonna be from people of your own of your party, it becomes a popularity contest. I know this person, therefore I'm gonna vote for this person. It becomes that much harder for new blood to get into you know, local politics. Because literally, I don't know who said it, but like somebody had kind of said that something like AOC can't happen in our area, which I, now that this happened, I know it can't. Like the way my area is set up, there's pretty much no way for somebody who's like AOC with progressive policies to get through at all, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because I really do think the policies that are more progressive would really benefit my area yeah. with the kind of the reforms that we need are not being supported by our representatives. They say, like, what... Because I was trying to read up on Gregory Meeks and, like, his policies, and his policies all sound, like, the same as they were, like, 16 years ago. Uh (laughs) Like, it's not like he changed much in the last 16 years, like... Yeah, and it's like, not much has changed, and... You know, we're not seeing real progress. So we need, like, we at least need someone who is going to shake the table a little bit and get us, like, we need a jump start. Someone's going to push the needle a little bit. That can only happen, you know, if more people, particularly millennials, particularly, like, young people, don't just participate in the presidential election. Because, you know, everyone learns about the presidential election, but honestly, we don't learn that much about our local political process, our local political systems, like who's who, which uh, politicians affect this, you know, who do we vote for, and like our local, on like a local level. Yeah. So it's like, now we have to like kind of learn on our own. So now, not only do we have to like research everyone, but we have to like learn the system because we weren't taught the system when we were in school. Yeah. We were all taught about, you know, the federal system and how 
we vote for our state senators and our representatives, how we vote for the president and the vice president, and then everyone else is appointed um, kind of yeah. from there. But yeah. we're not taught anything in our schools about, you know, our local officials, yeah. you know, which local positions are up for election. How often are they up for election? Which ones are appointed? You know, yeah. all these things which have a lot more direct impact on us. On us. Yeah, the um, because I was looking, what really had me like doing research, and it was really hard because I couldn't really find any information. Was for the circuit court judges in mm-hmm. my area, like the Queens County judges, and like the the lawyers who were being that were being um that were running, like. I could find little to nothing on all of them. Like literally, I had to really dig to find anything. Uh-huh. Like I found barely anything. Yeah. And it's just like, how are these people running to become the judges in Queens County? And we can't find any information. Like they're according to the freaking thing they're a lawyer but i can't even find their website can't even find anything about any cases they worked on can't even find any policies they've supported or it was just a mess i voted i ended up having to vote based on party line like uh-huh. and then i voted with the working families party for some of it and then with the democratic party for the rest like yeah and i mean and you're looking you're looking for it right and you have the time to like just sit there and search for things and again it's not readily available so how do we expect the average working class citizen who's working 40 plus hours a week and may have a family to support and take care of when they're not working how do we expect them to then do all this research on people with bare, with minimal informa- information on them to begin with to make informed decisions about who should be the judges for the cases, you know, in their county. So it becomes, like, really, really ridiculous after, like, a certain point. And the same thing for, like, you know, like, our sheriffs and everything like that. It really becomes... It's so hard to find information on a lot of these people running for these offices and again we don't have the time to sit here and be like inspector gadget or like you know a super detective trying to find out all this information like i have like a million and one other things to do yeah it should be easier for us to understand who the people we are supposed to be voting for are like it should like because i know for like the um for the presidential election, for the Senate elections, even for the mayoral election, like you can find information about these people. Like they're, they have campaign websites, they have surrogates on TV, they have all this stuff, but you come towards like a state center or something like that, you can't even find, like, honestly, I don't even, I think my state senator, I, barely remember his name like and it's crazy but then that also comes down to like finances as well like campaigning costs money 
you know, you have to be able to raise enough money in order to even have a campaign and to be able to put yourself out there, which is why, you know, kind of supporting a system where we kind of move away from like private financing of like campaigns and move more to like having a lot more public access to these things, particularly when it comes to, you know, debates and putting candidates on much more equal playing field when it comes to the public's access to being able to find out information about them. I shouldn't need like a million dollars in order to run a campaign in order to like, you know, run for a public, public office because it's so expensive to even like, yeah. you know, you have to rent out advertising, you know, airtime, all these, all these other things. So in a lot of the people who we want, who probably have more progressive ideas, it's much harder for them to even get off the, off the ground, especially if they haven't been here, been in the game that long because no one knows anything about them. They're brand new faces. And since they don't have like an established record already, you know, now they have to play catch up and try to convince people like, hey, you know. That's, what, that's how I felt about the candidate that I voted for, for my congressional representative. Like if, if he was, I know he probably wouldn't have been able to convince the um, like middle-class people in my neighborhood to vote for him. But if he could convince maybe the millennials in our neighborhood to get um, excited and roaring and ready to vote for him things might have been different unfortunately i just know for the neighborhood i currently live in like there's not much is going to change i'd have to move out of my neighborhood to expect change (laughs) and that has to do with the fact that no one's voting for change we're just voting for the status quo because it's just easy it's like i know this name so i just vote for this name every year yep but we're not taking like an active approach to like, okay, making conscious decisions about what I should vote for. And again, it's understandable, but at the same time, it's like, it's something that we need to change. Yeah. We had the Netflix original series Bridgerton, which dropped, you know, and Christmas everyone, Day. everyone was buzzing about that show. It really you know, was. It was like number one on Netflix for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it, I think it already got renewed for a second season, right? I believe so. And it is check. definitely like it is def- it was definitely a hot topic you know and i think it's still a little bit of a hot topic for people right now um but yeah when when i saw the honestly i didn't want to watch it i'll be honest um i only watched it cuz my girlfriend went to watch it like just looking from the trailer i knew everything that was going to happen in the show as far as like the major beats right yeah. as far as the as far as the main two characters i was like oh I already know what their story is going to be, right? Yeah. So from the jump and from the trailer, I was like, I know 
the exact vibe for this is literally, literally Downton Abbey meets Gossip Girl. <laughs> it's literally like, hey, I like Downton Abbey in that old, you know, British, that you know, Gossip Girl was a great show on the CW. What if we took those two concepts and like and they had a baby and that is Bridgerton to a T, honestly. Like, the funny thing is due to like um, the... Bridgerton, like my binge of Bridgerton, I started to read, I read the whole book series, which looking at the book series, I don't know, I don't think the author was inspired by Gossip Girl, but the show yeah. feels inspired by Gossip Girl. Yeah. Um, especially they got Julie Andrews to be the voice of Mrs. Miss Whistledown. Yeah, like Miss Whistledown and Gossip Girl are literally like essentially the same type of character in their respective show. Yeah. Like, they just serve as like a mouthpiece, kind of pushing the narrative yeah. about what's going on. I, I mean, I love it. I like, I like yeah. that, but I'm like, oh my goodness. Not to say I, that it takes away from Bridgerton in any way. But. Yeah. I, what I don't like is that at the end of season one, they reveal who Miss Bridget, who Miss Whistledown is. Yes. Miss, I, I think they should have left it. Like, I think they should have waited. We like. I think we kind of. I think a lot of the audience kind of probably knew. I like don't know. they they I give don't a lot I of hints. Knew. Like they give a lot of hints towards like the end of the season. Like oh shit, I think it's her. I really think it's her. You I know? didn't think of it. I didn't think of her. Um, like I kind of there was something like I kind of guessed it. Like she's she's present for everything. And her best friend is like an insane gossip and is nosy about everything. So she gets all the, the information, you know? So it's like... It makes sense. She's a wallflower. She's always invited everywhere. She's ignored. Exactly. She can go around and kind of silence and hear all these other things. Like, I don't want to spoil who it is because people who are listening to this may have not watched Bridgerton and okay. may want to watch it, but... Like it, because in the book series, it's the same character is Mrs. Whistledown or Miss Whistledown, uh-huh. but they don't reveal who it is until like book four. Exactly. I really feel like they should have kept us in suspense with that. Like I enjoyed the reveal mostly for the vindication of knowing I was right, but for like the sake of like the writing in the show, it definitely would have been a little bit more like. They, they definitely could tease it for at least another season or two. Yeah, they definitely... Because didn't Gossip Girl, like, it took forever to people to find out it was dead? Yeah. I mean, technically, Gossip Girl was... Technically, they were all Gossip Girl because, you know, being, like, the website, it was like they all had access to it. So it was like... It was like all of them were Gossip Girl, but at the same time... Oh man, I'm kind of forgetting because it's been so long since I watched it. Honestly, it I didn't. Like, wa- I stopped watching so early in Gossip Girl. I didn't even know who it was. Yeah, I think that's kind of like I think if I'm remembering correctly, and I'm pretty sure if there are any listeners, feel free to, you know, correct us in the comments. But Gossip Girl, you know, was their little vlog, and as far as like the core people and friends and stuff like that. They were all, you know, Gossip Girl, where they could all kind of like post as Gossip Girl with kind of whatever, which is why it was kind of hard to figure out like 
who said what because it was like you know it could be it could have been like any one of them could have posted that particular thing so it's like you know i think that's kind of if i'm remembering it correctly because mm-hmm. i think for a while i think for a while yeah like dan was gossip girl for a while like you know like i think all of them were gossip girl or posted something as gospel girl that was problematic at some point throughout the series mm, yeah. okay but bridgerton is definitely a fun show i do have my issues with it like like it's fun but there are just certain things that are happening which are just like they're they're just so glaringly there which it it kind of takes me out of it a little bit yeah it does uh, one of the things because like we can always say like daphne our main character is totally a nightmare oh, when it comes to consent but yes i feel like i'm gonna touch on that second because my absolute thing other than the consent which is really high up there where um lady danbury starts talking about race and i'm just like whoa I, this is supposed to be a show that's no race is really acknowledged. Yeah, it's like because it it's a, it just breaks the fantasy. I mean, it it was def they definitely threw it in there. It was definitely like, oh yeah, so racism did exist, but then this white man king decided to make a black woman his, his queen, queen, and now there is no more racism, and we live in a post-racial society, and it's <laughs> fucking awesome. And I'm just like, I literally think she should have never said those words. I didn't need the information. Like I was, I was okay just pretending it was a post-racial society just because it existed in its own fantasy universe. Yeah, exactly. But then now knowing that, oh yeah, we did live as two different societies based on color. But then you know, our queen queen and the king decided to get married, and now. We live in post-racial bliss, and it's amazing. And I'm just like... It doesn't make <sighs> sense because when um, you see uh, Simon, mm-hmm. Duke of Hastings, like it seems like his father has been the Duke of Hastings for a long time, and mm-hmm. the, the title has passed down through their family, and he's obsessed with keeping it alive. Yeah. So it seems like it's more than just one, like... I mean, it could have been a thing they're referring to more as, like, two separate nations, maybe? I don't mm. know. It could have been, like, two separate nations. So yeah, you had like, all the all the Black people in their own Black society, yeah. or at least all the people of color in their own society. people of color society. And you had all the white people in their society. And it was like, let's just have one society. But it was definitely a weird kind of like, I didn't. Aside. Uh, yeah, I didn't need it because now you have me thinking about. See, like there was already certain like things in the show that irked me when it came to like how the characters were like interact when it comes to race. But now you throw that in there, and now it becomes much more glaring. That like, okay, you said this. Now all these things become even more problematic for me. Like, why do we have? you know, the black character who is like just just unwed and pregnant for the sake of being unwed and pregnant and we're just like 
dragging her out this, through this entire season, being unwedded pregnant and going through all these like weird traumas Oops, and stuff and like that. Ter- like us like even trying to marry her off to an old man who like won't even you know bat an eye if she has a child because he needs an heir like again aside from mrs danbury and the queen she's the only prominent black female lead yes and you know her situation is just like okay but why like she's kind of just there for the first half and then afterward it's like hey how do we trick this guy into marrying yeah and all these other things i'm like she turns into this vindictive kind of character and it's like why choose the one black young lady to do this why couldn't it have been some random white girl from the country because the there's no like it's random to say that she's their cousin. It's different than Lady Danbury and Simon and his father being black. All of a sudden, Marina must be like some like really mixed child because she's the cousin of the Featheringtons. Like, yeah. I don't know. And it's, and again, I, I don't know that kind of like, again, I enjoyed her story overall. Mm. Um, I'm like, I don't know. I felt weird about her story. But I'm like, it didn't really have, like, it didn't really have an ending. Like, it had a conclusion, but it was kind of just like, uh-uh. well, she came. She mm. was just pregnant for the whole time. She was like the pregnant secret that brought yeah. shame to the family for the entire se- yeah. season. And then she went back to the country with the brother of her baby daddy who died yeah. in war. Yeah. You know, and she's, and she may not come back for like the rest of the series. I don't know. I haven't read the book, so I don't know if the yeah. character reappears. In, she barely, sh- like, honestly, she's not even a real character in the book. So I'm just like, what just, was the point? They just took somebody who was slightly mentioned in the book and gave her a bigger role. Like, that storyline does not happen in book one. Yeah, so I was just like, uh, okay, you know. And then we kind of get into like Daphne and her thing with Simon. Oh yeah, so annoying. And yeah. like Daphne was getting very annoying. She did as a character because I'm like, yo, you are so effing entitled and pretentious. Yep, that it's unbearable at times. Like. Yeah. Like, she went on a whole tirade and got mad at her mom. It was, like, kind of just spaz on her mom because her mom didn't tell her where babies come from as far as, like, the mechanics of, like, the guy has to, like, come inside of you and that's how you have a baby. Yeah, she didn't really, she didn't really prep her with a talk. Yeah, but, but I'm even like even in the book series that that happened. With yeah, the mother, but I mean, really say what happened. Like on the one hand, I'm just thinking, okay, you know, back in the day, high society and stuff like that. Yeah. I kind of understand the whole ideal of like your mom kind of prepping you for like the illusion of what marriage is versus yeah. the reality of what marriage is. But yeah. she wasn't even like she wasn't like her mom had prepped her for being the lady oh, of the wow. house yeah. her mom prepped her for like how how to take care of the state and all these other things yeah but like, not for the even physical. like yeah but even like the the 
like the emotional dynamics like her mom was very much like very open you know very yeah. like you can talk to me um i think daphne kind of romanticized her parents relationship to a bit but other than that her mom was kind of very kind of open and honest and willing to have discussions with daphne kind of about anything and then this little one thing like again it wasn't even about i don't know how to have sex with a guy it was just you didn't tell me that i had like had to have sex at, like it was just this one particular particular yeah. detail that kind of caused her to blow up and like do all these things i was like yeah. i didn't get it and like who knows maybe it's because i'm a guy that i don't get it but that that no was, she was yeah she was unreasonable it what got me the most is when uh i don't want to reveal too much but she like she had a altercation with simon due to a certain situation and she had the gall to be upset and mad and feel like she was wronged when she was in the wrong for yeah, what I, she had done like okay honestly so I, entitled like she forced him to marry her she forced him to have her like she she kind of forced him into everything yeah so okay i think we kind of okay we kind of spoiled a few things i don't know we did but i don't know if i wanted to spoil that but you I'm can like, say it if you want okay okay i know for listeners i apologize we kind of have we spoiled half of it and not spoiled half of it <laughs> like okay might as well spoil it all here is your official spoiler warning that we are going to spoil Trigger warning. More trigger, like a trigger okay. warning. Yeah, spoiler warning for Bridgerton, but also trigger, trigger warning. Trigger warning. Um, trigger warning because we are going to be talking about Rape. sexual assault. Um, so trigger warning for that as well. So you have been forewarned. So there's a scene, there's an episode in Bridgerton. Throughout the entire series, we understand that Daphne as a character, having idealized her mom mother and father's marriage and everything like being a mom and being a wife like those are the things that are like super important to her and we have simon on the other hand who because he grew up with a very cold very abusive father who was very much all about like legacy and family name and title and everything Simon decides for himself that, and mostly despite his father, that he doesn't want to be married and doesn't want to have any children. That's kind of like a conscious decision he's made for himself, rooted in the trauma caused by his father. So when Daphne does realize that, like, they've been having sex, but, you know, Simon's been put, pulling out the entire yeah, time. Yeah, he's been so, Lord pull, pull out. Yeah, so his pull out game has been on 100. <laughs> However, Daphne... This naive, ignorant little wolf, little flower, didn't know Realize. that. Oh, that that stuff has to be inside me for me to have children. She thought he was just like. I don't know what she I, thought. I don't know what she think, thought. She he figured he like physically or just couldn't have children because of uh, dysfunction versus him choosing not to have it. Yeah. So when she talks to like a maid or whatever, and finds out, oh, I need that in me to have children, again. She's already 
because of such a precarious situation that Simon and her were in due to their actions have been like kind of forced into a marriage, even though Simon didn't really want it. But he also, I guess, cared for her enough to like not want to have her dishonored by society. Fine. He's been forced into this marriage. Yeah. But he's also been very clear that about not wanting children yeah. at all. And she takes it upon herself to like to take control of their of their sex, which is fine. You know, I'm yeah. not, that's not the issue. Issues but then that. she keeps going and even when he's like oh wait stop i don't want to do this going. she keeps going and makes her come inside of her yeah which again i don't know about some people i don't know how some people want to interpret that but i definitely yeah. interpreted that as as like a sexual assault and violation yeah. the yeah. same way it would be if the situation was reversed you know, we know that she doesn't want any children or whatever. Yeah. And the guy decides, well, I'm going anyway. to come in you anyway, even though you said not to and that you don't want children. Yeah. Or all these dudes out here who are stealthing and taking off a condom in the middle of yeah. sex. And then yeah. coming in, these women. So in the vein of that, it was... <laughs> it was a gross abuse. Yeah. And they kind of gloss over it in the yeah. show. Like, they- like, Simon is obviously like, very betrayed and kind of yeah. traumatized by the situation. He even stutters again. Yeah, like he has a pronounced stutter that he got rid of as a child and it comes back in the moment. Yeah. But it's very framed like of this, you know, this white woman kind of being like, oh, well, you mm-hmm. lied to me. You said you, I thought you couldn't physically have children. Not mm-hmm. that you you knew I wanted to be a mother and you, you tricked me into this or you put yeah. me in this situation. Like but somehow... Then- she somehow it's him. all his fault she that assaults she him. assaulted him. And then somehow she tries to work it around that That's she's the victim and all yep. of this. And I was just like, is that what we're doing? Literally, because I had already read about the scene, but I hadn't really seen like the effects of the scene. And once I saw the scene, I was just like, how, how, like, even though she didn't understand can't and won't are not the same but there's no way to put yourself as a victim in this situation you're not the victim you're the aggressor yeah and that was like again the show itself glosses over it like they show it as like in Simon as like a betrayal and he kind of just like he def he definitely doesn't he definitely becomes very much more standoffish and cold towards her afterwards you know but again it has more to do with the fact that oh she might be pregnant versus like you just did this thing to me it's i don't know the way that the show doesn't really handle it at all or address it at all um so yeah i was like they could like honestly they could have had an argument they could have there was lots of ways they could have handled yeah Daphne finding out about the fact that he physically could have children, but he was denying her children. Yeah, because even in the even in the book, it's not that great. I think he was like slightly drunk in the book, uh and she she did the same kind of thing, Mm -hmm. and they had similar blowback. It ended up that uh, he left 
he just left the house and left her alone and he was doing about going about his business just like upset mad it took a little longer for things to come back around but still it was even it, i think it was a little more fucked up in the book because she took a, advantage of a drunk person and you know that's even worse yeah you know even even being in the book i don't know how old the books are when they came out as a character you know daphne is very problematic and they try to make her like this this kind of savior and victim kind of roll into one and it was very annoying like um um like one of those like innocent needs to be protected kind of this pinnacle of white women womanhood yes to be honest exactly and it was funny because somebody they were like why have uh i forgot the i don't know how to pronounce um the actor who plays simon's name but they're like they have this man with a regular degular white girl (laughs) (laughs) they didn't say regular degular but you know what i mean yeah but the thing about it is there's this whole concept of like Shondaland and how Shondaland tends to take light-skinned men and white women, put them together, and it's diversity. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I, huh. Okay, I can't say I've watched a lot of... I don't watch a lot, but I know the... But it's definitely trend. a pattern. It's a pattern. The other person who's like a side who's very problematic when it comes to diverse casting is that guy who does blackish, Kenya Barris. Oh, yeah. Like, I just saw on Twitter that he's going to do a cheaper by the dozen, but it's going to be with Gab Union and Zach Braff. Uh, okay. I don't even know if I even want another cheaper by the dozen. I don't think I all. want another one, and I don't want them as my cheaper by the dozen parents. Yeah. Who knows? Like, <laughs> how would you put Zach Braff with Gab Union? Like, come on. Yeah. No. Why are you doing that? Come on. And it's supposed to be in the works at Disney Plus. I think. Oh my goodness. I, I, think I mean, I have Plus. Disney Plus, so. I think like the I only thing remember. that makes me curious about checking it out is the fact that Gabrielle Union is going to be in it and she's amazing. But wait, let me just go on Twitter and check because I think it said Disney Plus. Because uh, my friend she actually forwarded me, forward me a tweet that says, "Yep, it's Disney Plus." Mm. She forwarded me a tweet where somebody retweeted the Disney Plus update and mm-hmm. said it's time to file a class action lawsuit against Kenya Barris. <laughs> okay. That one got me. Yeah, I remember watching a, not watching, I saw a tweet and it was talking about like Shonda Rhimes and Tyler Perry and someone may have thrown Kenya Barris in the mix too. And it's like, I don't know, but I also feel like I do feel that Shauna Rhimes does give us. She does have different, like 
maybe the prominent or like the main couples tend to be interracial or like whatever. Yeah. But the but there is a diverse group of couples. Yeah, there is. You I... know, versus like, you know, Kenya Barris, because he bases a lot of his works on his own life and experiences. Yeah. They yep. look a certain way, and then Tyler Perry, we know he loves his like black women trauma stories. So yeah. He's sticking to those. Yeah, he's sticking to that. Never a happy black woman. Oh, you know this. You got to go through it. I guess you had to go through the roller coaster. I'm like, I know they came out one one for Netflix. Wasn't it called Acrimony? Oh my goodness! I didn't watch it, but I saw the I wigs, think, and the wigs were terrible. Oh my goodness! I did it. Okay. So me, I did, we did, me and Maxine, we did a review of that movie. Um, as of the recording of this episode, we haven't released it at all. But, oh my goodness, maybe we will release it. Um, maybe I we'll publish so. it. I as think like, so. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe we'll publish it as like a bonus episode. But, oh my goodness, that movie was... Terrible. It was so bad, but like, you can, it's so bad, but you can see it had the potential to be good. But at the mm. same time, as you go, as you, it's almost like as you kind of watch the movie, the quality of the movie just like deteriorates the more you watch it. <laughs> to like the end where like the CGI is bad, the lighting is bad, like everything is bad by the end of the movie. It's like they gave up. By the end, it feels I like, feel they gave like didn't they shoot that movie in like a weekend? I I don't remember. I think I know so. I think Tyler Perry Tyler was doing Perry a bunch of like, movies, so oh. he's like, we did this in like a week. That's he's three like, days. we did this in a weekend. I think that's what he said about that movie. But he did it in a very short amount of time, so that's probably why everybody was yeah. tired and didn't give a crap at the end. <laughs> yeah, and also we talk about Tyler Perry and his his love black trauma like it i felt traumatized watching the movie and watching this woman black woman just get traumatized over and over and over throughout the entire film i'm just like why why are we here like yeah. like how do we get here and it's not even a good movie like yeah again when it starts off it starts off as a decent movie decent enough movie you know, but then it's just like we just keep piling trauma and trauma and trauma upon this 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 woman. It's like, and then suddenly we just like we just have her go crazy, snap and go crazy, and now she's killing everybody. Oh and shit! That, oh my goodness! <laughs> I didn't oh. watch it. So. Oh my bad. But like, <laughs> I don't mind because oh I'm goodness. never gonna watch it. <laughs> it's oh my goodness. <laughs> like you think it's gonna start off like you start off thinking this is gonna be like your basic ass regular ass Tyler Perry movie maybe a little bit of like thriller in, in there in there but like oh my goodness it goes off the rail fast after like the first half of the movie oh my goodness it was ridiculous oh no but I gotta say like other Going back to Bridgerton. <laughs> oh man, yes, back to Bridgerton because. Do we have anything else to say about Bridgerton? <laughs> I think we said it all. 
Oh my goodness. I say overall I enjoyed it. Overall, it was a good watch. Like it was definitely a good watch. I probably will watch season two. Like it did get renewed. So I definitely will watch season two despite my qualms with season one. I want to see what happens with season two. Yeah. I again definitely it's one of those type of dramas where just like Downton Abbey and Gossip Girl did well of like just making you curious about what's gonna happen next. It's like whether something happened in the episode or not, it's like, but you know, something might happen next time and you don't want to miss it. So now you're like, I I don't know if I want to watch it, but I also like I don't want to feel like I'm missing anything. Yep. So I'm probably gonna watch season two mostly because I'm just gonna be curious about like what happens next. I'm like, they kind of got me hook, line, and seeker right, right now. Yeah. So what I kind of hope, like, honestly, I don't know what they're going to do at season two, but I kind of hope they go along with the books. Like, season two goes to book two, because I don't know if I could take much more of Simon and Daphne. Well, from what I'm, again, I haven't read the books, but from what I heard, the books follow different characters. So the first yes. book is about Simon and Daphne. Yeah, the, the books go different. by the siblings. So first it's first it's Daphne there's eight siblings so there's eight books so oh. each each book is focused on one sibling and how they end up getting married oh so okay so they they all get married yeah <laughs> I'm assuming that includes like the brothers and everything right yeah so it's Daphne then the first three brothers uh I think it's like all by the by the seventh book all the older siblings have gotten married it's just the younger two for book seven and book eight oh wait so even eloise gets married or she doesn't she does oh even spoiler the, but okay i'm like but i mean the, not really a spoiler it's but. not like the thing like i don't know if they're gonna get to this in the show i'm not sure if they're even gonna get that far but eloise does not find a husband via the typical season I feel like she wouldn't though. She's like she's very much not for all the that all that debutante stuff. Yeah, she doesn't find a husband via the debutante. She definitely feels way. like someone who's going to be like forging her own path and breaking social norms. Exactly what she did. <laughs> I'm definitely curious to see what happens, you know, if there's eight seasons or like I could I it think would be I could nice stand if they did eight Yeah, seasons. I could I could watch eight seasons of Bridgerton, I think. If each one was focused on a sibling like the books are. Yeah, and they had the same amount. I do enjoy the different character, the character depth. You know, I yeah. liked everyone's accent. There was no one who had Some accents. random accent. Yeah, there was, like, all the accents seemed believable enough. Um, unlike other shows, particularly with the one character who was supposed to be, like, French or whatever, I didn't find her accent to be, like out of touch too much yeah. you know unlike other shows recently in particular which have their black characters appearing like Haitian or West Indian roles and their accents are atrocious yeah yeah because even the um the dr- modiste or dressmaker yeah. who was like supposedly French. I don't think she was really French, but yeah. she had but a I decent mean, accent. She had a decent accent, but even played on that in the show, like because there is a point where she drops her French accent when she's talking with her friend. 
and then yeah. you know uh maria does who knows french um and whose mother was like french or yeah. like whatever uh did kind of confront her and speak to her in friends being like i know you're not really french so <laughs> either you get me this dress i'm gonna out you and ruin nice. all of your business there was a good attention to detail for all of the different characters yeah which i appreciate yeah, there was. As much as you can say for a Regency era British romance, there was an authenticity to these characters. Yeah, I mean, it was def. They were. There was definitely, the show is definitely satirical to a certain extent, but it's also very self-aware. It does take itself serious at points, so it the, does become very like immersive and believable. The like the two characters who don't really get full rounded like exact like exactly full rounded stories who would have been nice they had more of a story are the queen and lady danbury because lady danbury's like just like Yo, i don't lady danbury like a, is just she's, she's just she's, amazing and she's there but she's like i don't she's a glorified mammy sometimes oh did you think in certain situations Mm. Like, or she's the magical, you know, that magical Negro. Uh, okay. Mm, okay. Okay. Mm. I don't want it to be true because I love her character so much. I love her character so can, much. But, but I can but, see what you're talking about. But she, she has the, she has the little beginnings of a magical Negro because <sighs> she's old, like, she saved Simon as a child, also saved Simon and his marriage. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I can, I don't want it to be true, but I can, I can, I can see where you're, I can see where you get that from. I'm like, I still love her character. It's uh -huh. just, it's just something I noticed. Yes. And, um, yeah. Also the queen, I, I think Lady Danbury probably got more fleshed out character than the Queen, but than the Queen, but I really did want to see more of the Queen. We did get a little bit of backstory to her. Like we know the king has dementia and we see that like it's definitely taking its toll on her, particularly when he's like less lucid. This social sphere is kind of all she has right now. But I did wanna I did want to pick a little bit more. There was a lot more I felt that we could have got from her character. I did like to see about, like you said, with the queen, with her husband not being very lucid. It would have been like nice to get a little bit more of her backstory than just the fact that she's wondering if her husband's dead or lucid or like it'd be nice to see like something happened to their child. Their child died like a little bit more about like what exactly happened. Yeah. I mean, that would definitely be an interesting backstory if they like, if like every season you learn a little bit, a little bit more about the queen. And then by the end of the series, you like have this full fleshed out story. Like I can definitely stand her being like a little bit more of a, not necessarily a background character, but more of like, she has her own side story, which doesn't yeah. necessarily affect the main story of the show. But it's definitely kind of like there for you yeah. to like piece together, kind of like a nice little mystery. The um, 
because the queen is an addition because yeah. in the series there is no queen oh okay in the book well, series this is a welcome addition because i love the queen yeah the queen there's no queen whatsoever like the person who kind of takes on that eccentric role because in the books lady danbury isn't connected to simon at all okay she's just the kind of eccentric daring lady who okay. like everybody's looks up to some people look up to her some people fear her she's just like she's there she takes no names like she's like one of the strongest ladies out of the bunch okay she, she's older i think by book maybe six or seven she's in like her 70s but she does play a recurring role in most of the not all of the books but a good part of the books she's in it okay because i definitely want to see more lady danbury and queen charlotte so those are welcome additions yes very welcome we've had a very amazing discussion thank you for being here with me here today sash yep thanks for having me we're um, missing one third but yes we had a great combo we did, we did. And, you know, where can people check you out? Well, I can be found on Twitter and IG at Sash underscore Marguerite. Sorry. <laughs> underscore is really important. You can find me on Facebook, Sasha and Fountain. Those are my main social media, Facebook, yeah. Twitter, and Instagram. But hit me on Twitter. I'm always kikiing on Twitter. And as always, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at YoungRoyalty580. And you can always follow the podcast at Cozy Chat Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Also, feel free to email us your comments and suggestions at CozyChatPodcast at gmail.com. And we hope to see you guys next time. All right? See you soon, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.